Welcome to the Miller Oddcast, a brand new podcast from the Missouri Review. For over 40 years now, TMR has been discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Our quarterly magazine appears in print, digital, and audio formats. Learn more at MissouriReview.com. Hello and welcome to Miller Oddcast, the Missouri Review podcast where we listen to and discuss the finalists for the 2021 Miller Audio Prize. I'm Mark McKee, TMR's Managing Editor. Thank you for being here for episode 52, featuring the latest finalists for the Audio Prize in Prose, Backroads, A Love Story, by Summer Hammond. Summer Hammond has traversed every state in the continental USA in a fuchsia 18-wheeler, This is her go-to fun fact. Also, that she and her husband, Allie, earned their bachelor's degrees online while long-haul trucking. Summer went on to teach ninth grade reading in Austin, Texas. Her most recent backroad adventure was moving across the country with Allie and achieving her MFA in fiction from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, at the tender age of 40. Her fiction and essays have appeared or are forthcoming in the Haunted Waters Press, Broad River Review, and the Texas Review. She is a 2021 Rash Awards in Fiction finalist. This piece first appeared as Backroads in Sunspot Literary Journal, Volume 3, Issue 1, 2021. Learn more about her at her social handles on Twitter and Instagram, which we'll put in the show notes. And stay tuned after the piece for a short commentary by me. But now, Backroads, a love story from Summer Hammond. Backroads, a love story. Our first truck. I'd like to tell you it was badass. That it was black with two chrome smokestacks curved like bull's horns and a grill decked out in fangs. But it was fuchsia. I didn't know 18-wheelers came in fuchsia. It was bright, the color of my favorite strawberry bubblegum, and glossy like my nail polish. We were in our late 20s and so poor we couldn't keep the utilities on. We lived in a 125-year-old Victorian that we'd inherited, or been left with, or, as it felt when the $600 utility bill arrived, were crushed beneath. We were in our late 20s, both raised in extreme religion, Jehovah's Witness and Pentecostal Charismatic, respectively, taught well how to sublimate worldly desire and please God, live for Armageddon or the rapture, and no clue how to live inside the real world. We were in our late 20s, An Allie's small carpet cleaning business, also inherited, had taken off during the summer and nosedived during the winter, extinguished entirely after the cleaning equipment in the van froze and he didn't know how to resurrect it, and we couldn't afford repairs. He had scrambled to find work, while I hung on to the fast receding hope of finishing my teaching degree while assistant teaching in a special ed elementary school classroom. We were in our late 20s and our parents were gone, taken by death, or by mental illness so incapacitating they could barely function as humans, much less parents. After intense questioning and a grueling soul search, we'd left our religions. We felt free, and yet no longer had a faith community to reach out to for help. When the first snowstorm arrived and we couldn't afford to heat the falling apart Victorian, our utilities were shut off. I didn't know toilet water could freeze, or olive oil my breath taken by the gleaming golden statuette encased in a glass jar, 
In the mornings, I leapt from bed, a frenzy of cold, teeth chattering, bundling into my winter coat to get ready for work, fogging up the mirror with my smoky breath, hands shaking so my eyeliner was all over the place, and I was ashamed. My co-workers went out to lunch, and I stayed behind, claiming I'd brought mine. I didn't have a lunch. Famished, I once poured ranch dressing from the workplace fridge straight into my mouth. I was ashamed. At home, Allie and I stared down one bag of microwave popcorn, fallen over, all that was left in our cupboard besides an antique cobweb. We headed out, propping each other up along the icy sidewalk, and asked permission to use the microwave at the convenience store. We shared the last bag of popcorn for dinner, fingers greedy, warm with butter, and wondered what to do next. Huddled beneath blankets, we shivered in the dark and cold, staring out cracked window panes into another round of fast-falling snow, trying to figure out how to make it another day in the world. The next morning, the teacher I assisted chastised me for being late. She had no idea about the crumbling Victorian, the failed business, no family, no utilities, the golden olive oil statuette, the winter coat in the mornings, the last bag of microwave popcorn, and not a single dingy penny left in the couch cushions. She chastised me, and I broke down, weeping into my hands. She looked at me with wide eyes, a little scared. I was ashamed. This to say, neither of us cared that our first truck was fuchsia, because for us, it was nothing short of a gorgeous palace on 18 wheels. It had a fridge and a microwave, it had bunk beds, an enormous steering wheel fit for Paul Bunyan, and an air horn. Best of all, most decadent, melting my heart with love and gratitude. It had heat. A month into the trucking life, and I learned. Pigs shriek like demons in the trucks parked at Gwaltney Hot Dog Factory in Smithfield, Virginia. The sound and the smell will keep you awake at night. Don't go out. Don't try picking your way through the darkness to find a restroom. Do not go out. Pee in a cup. Otherwise, you might trip over the horror of an empty pigskin laying there deflated like an unzipped purse. Trucks pulling out of Gwaltney sometimes leak, slim red waterfalls jeweling the pavement. You will wince, turn away. One night at Gwaltney will teach you more about the real world, its barbarism, than all your years in college. There's nothing, no magic in the world, to rival Highway 71 through Colorado, Nothing to compare to the quiet elation of traveling alongside a rocky mountain stream mile after mile, watching it glint in morning light, then simmer in sunset. You forget the road. It's the stream that carries you. You forget how far you are from a home that stopped being home. You can almost forget your parents, dead or estranged. Forget how there's no one out there, in that big map somewhere, worrying about the two of you driving that big truck God knows where. No one out there, lovingly tracking your journey across the map, praying for you at the witching hour, 4 a.m. to sunrise, praying that your head stays up and your wheels stay steady. Your heart will splinter when at last you must part ways with the faithful water. You'll blink back tears taking that exit, gazing in the rearview mirror. You didn't know that a mountain stream could become beloved, a fellow vagabond, a friend. Beware the shower rooms at truck stops. Much as you crave your own space, your own damn shower, at the Loves outside Nashville, following an all-nighter. Nothing like being lost in an 18-wheeler, hauling 15 tons of Nestle Crunch Bars, when the freezer on the trailer sputters and dies. 
an emergency alert from the fleet manager, a series of shrill beeps, pulling over long past midnight in a sleeping neighborhood, Allie wedging himself in the slim space between the truck and the trailer with his toolbox, hammering frantically, setting off dog, dog howls until with a grunt and a roar, the freezer launches back into action and we exhale, finding the right road just in time for a way station. You're pulled over, ticketed for being overweight, and you want to lose it. We just saved your damn ice cream bars. Nothing like stress building in the cab between you as you search in vain for a place to pull over, to sleep, every truck stop crammed with trucks, the tension so flammable you should have the hazard tags out, finally exploding in egregious blaming, name-calling. At least in the fiery heat of the brawl, the miles fly past. Now all you want in this solitary shower room is to be alone with your numb, weary heart and your aching knees your baboon legs, and what you thought at first gasp was a beard, but is actually grease and an accretion of sweat. But beware the shower rooms at truck stops. Even when you've locked the door and checked it once, twice, three times, pulling and twisting just to be sure, you can't ever be sure. You did not factor in the cleaning crew. Trust me, you didn't even think about the janitor's key ring jangling with keys to every shower room and the possibility of grave oversight. Your all-nighter sweatpants will be puddled around your ankles when the door swings open and swiveling in your undies, you will scream, he will scream, and truckers will bound from their shower rooms, including your husband, wrapped up in a towel. And there will be an overwhelming flurry of apologies as you gather up your clothes and your duffel bag and you run, fast as your baboon legs will go, back to the truck, shaking, swearing, pummeling that Paul Bunyan wheel with your fist. You hate this life. You hate it. Your first paycheck is deposited, and you will always remember. After months of flinching against that computer-automated voice, whom you call Miss Bank of America, informing you with what you swear is a small cluck of scorn, your balance is negative. You listen to her tell you a new balance, an honest-to-God number, a number like nothing you've ever seen or dreamed. You call again and again just to hear her say that number. You trade the phone back and forth, listening, shaking your heads, laughing. The last time you listened, you're headed deep into rural Georgia, the pine tree perfume thick inside the truck, and Miss Bank of America's voice breaks up. You know why. It's because she knows how much this means to you. She knows better than anyone how far you've both traveled. You kiss your phone. You kiss it. You might have to climb out at six in the morning in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania to midwife the truck through that tiny bridge, what is known in industry lingo as a truck-eating bridge. The bridge sign says 13 feet 4 inches, and your truck is 13 feet 6 inches, but this is the only route to the orchard where you are scheduled to pick up a load of apples in exactly 20 minutes. So you hop out into the chill, stand on the side of the road, and wave the truck forward, inch by agonizing inch while early morning commuters crawl by. Their eyes pop at the 18-wheeler that's about to get its top scraped off like icing, and the wild-haired girl in the Wonder Woman pajamas, whose fault it will be. Well, you are giving the good people of Erie a story to start their day, and that is better than coffee. At 3 a.m., don't expect to sleep. Instead, you'll pull a trailer packed to the gills with 20 tons of beer up an endless mountainside in West Virginia, your truck heaving and straining, snorting bull-like, a fuchsia badass. 
Go, girl, go. You got this. Glued at the hip, literally, you'll develop an intimacy with your truck. Talk to her. Coach her through these difficulties. You'll gaze into the side view mirror, check on your lit up trailer, hazard lights blinking, your new starry sky, the constellation that follows you down every interstate through the night. You'll nostalgize what it was like to be asleep at 3 a.m. The circles under your eyes will deepen, engraving into your skin the culmination of a lifestyle, 12 to 16 hour days. Surging down the mountain, the jake brake will jolt you with its lioness roar. You'll lick your lips, inhale and exhale, eye the escape routes for runaway trucks, and you'll wonder, dear God, you'll wonder, what are other 20-somethings doing to survive? Stay warm and fed. Get the debt collectors to stop screaming at them. You'll wonder, the two of you, if you will ever figure out this life, and how long will it take? Another thing you'll learn, highways are faster, smoother, safer than back roads by far. Somewhere in Ohio, we're late to deliver, because yearning for countryside, I talked Allie into taking a back road. I feel bad, and even worse when we get behind an Amish buggy going roughly 10 miles per hour. The buggy swerves a little. The horse's hooves kick up clouds of dust. Allie, don't scare them, I screech. We're keeping a respectful distance, but still, I can imagine how alarming it must be to have a fuchsia 18-wheeler trailing you on your normally peaceful clip-clop home. Allie slows the truck even more. The buggy veers, then turns onto a lane leading to a stately gray two-story farmhouse. Giant sunflowers droop in a lush country garden. A clothesline reaches from the house to the side of the big red barn. Rows of dresses sway, long to short, along with a row of trouser pants, large to little. Allie slows to a stop, and we wait, as Bantam hens scurry, fluffy-headed across the road. He grimaces, his hands a white-knuckled clinch on the wheel. At this rate, we'll be at least an hour late. Walmart is strict about arrival and punitive. An hour late, we may not get these avocados unloaded today. And out here, losing time means losing money. We can't afford that. It's taken us six months to pay off credit cards, pass due bills, and begin to crawl out of debt. Our last paycheck, we finally indulged, treating ourselves to a truck stop buffet. Thick ribs drenched in sauce and whipped mashed potatoes, swimming in pools of butter and gravy. Hot and gooey macaroni and cheese, warm peach cobbler, heaven, sheer heaven piling up on our plates. In a red vinyl corner booth with the stuffing poking out, we'd scooted in close, our knees pressed together, feasting like royals. The cracked window panes the swirl of snow and ruthless cold, and one bag of microwave popcorn. We'll never forget. We're still fleeing. We should have taken the highway. If we want to get there on time and be okay, we should always take the highway. It's then that we see them. They've leapt from the buggy. They are running toward us across the big yard. The little girl holds her long dress above her lace-up boots, her baby brother scrambles beside her in suspenders, one hand planted atop his wide-brimmed hat. Before we know it, they've scrambled atop the split-rail fence. As our engine thunders, they wave at us wildly and then pull the air, a signal to trucks around the world, one we've been waiting for, our very first request. My seatbelt is off in a flash. 
Allie and I take turns yanking the air horn. It bellows like a water buffalo across the countryside. The children leap from the fence. They are laughing and cheering. They are beside themselves. They jump up and down, clapping, then grabbing hands, dancing together beside the sunflowers in the late golden light. Clasping the air horn, Allie's hand finds mine, and our fingers twine. It's a pact. We'll find our way together. And for the rest of our lives, we'll choose back roads. They make you late, they cost you money, and in return, they give you this. Hello, readers, writers, and friends. Smart McKee, managing editor of the Missouri Review. Thanks for joining us on this odd cast. Uh, you've just listened to Backroads, a love story by Summer Hammond. I just wanted to offer a brief comment on this story, which is just surpassingly lovely in its attention to detail. Uh, and these are the kinds of details that, that live, presumably on the page, it first appeared in Sunspot Literary Journal, but also in the voice that's carrying them in this particular audio piece. Because the, the story deals with the, the acquisition of a truck and the change in life of a couple who are impoverished to a, a soul-crushing degree, these details ring out. And I think that as you go back and listen to this piece again, which is something that we always recommend that you do with the Miller Oddcast, they'll stand out even more. They manage to realize the despairs, the minutiae of despair in poverty in ways that make it live and almost sing. There's a moment in which the narrator drinks ranch dressing from her company's refrigerator because she has no other food and she's starving. This is just a very, very poignant piece, and it's made all the more poignant by the way that it it shifts and changes as they acquire a Fuchsia 18-wheeler and start, and start working as truckers. And there's an exhilaration that comes through in the voice at the at surviving poverty making it to as there's a there's a piece uh late um, or there's a there's a moment late in the piece where the bank balance changes from negative to positive where the truck and then another one when the truck makes it past you know a bridge that could likely shave off the top of the truck even though that's the only road that they have to make a delivery and it's almost as though uh the couple's welcomed into you know more stability and security by a couple of children who asked them to kind of honk the horn it's extremely moving and and this day and age uh we need stories about wins and this is surely that thank you to summer hammond and do yourself a favor listen to it again we'll be back soon with the next miller oddcast until then be safe be well Bye. Thanks for being here with us for Miller Oddcast number 52, Backroads, A Love Story, from Summer Hammond. Episode 53 will be here for you before you know it, so keep a watchful ear and a listening eye about you, won't you? Thanks as always to the outgoing Missouri Review contest editor, Bailey Boyd, and to Patricia Miller for her generous support for the Miller Audio Prize. Be advised. Entries are now open for the second annual Perkoff Prize. 
the new opportunity for the Missouri Review, which awards $3,000 in publication to poet, fiction writer, or essayist with the best work, engaging in the fields of health and medicine in evocative ways. Learn more on our website, or subscribe to our newsletter for weekly updates. As ever, TMR is open for submissions year-round, and we remain dedicated to discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Be heard. Give us the opportunity to discover you. Submit your work today. In addition, we have tons of marvelous and free creative content to read, listen to, and even watch on our website. Learn more at MissouriReview.com.